Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Wait, how do I do this radio thing? It's, it's been since Friday. I mean, we off yesterday. Uh, Blockstack Radio had a problem, which they didn't tell us about, you know, until I found out I couldn't sign on to the state, to the thing. I couldn't log on to the show. I couldn't do anything. So we canceled yesterday. So let's make up for today by getting right to Brianna, and we shall start inquiring of our government with the Government Inquiry Report. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. And I have no idea. Well, let me make her line live. This is how bad I am. <laughs> let me start again. Good morning, Brianna. <laughs> now you're on. Good morning. Yeah, it's funny. Brianna and I were talking off the air. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> it's one of those days here at Action Radio. You know, the world's falling apart, and we're just being casual about the whole thing. So uh, we have lots to talk about. First, first thing, um, I have a question. Um, I don't. Do you watch One American News on, on a somewhat regular basis or no? Um, no, not on a regular basis, no. Okay, because I do a lot because Newsmax has now gone to like a paid subscription. They've moved my favorite newscaster, Rob Schmidt, somewhere else. So I'm doing more, more One American News. But I've noticed a trend. I, I was waiting for, you know, which station was going to start openly, you know, saying the election was stolen and that kind of stuff. It's going to be uh, One American News. They're not quite there yet, but they're very close. So I heard on the news this morning. I'm listening in. They talked about they addressed Biden as the 80-year-old occupant of the White House. Now, think about that for a second. This is a major news station, a conservative news station, which, which NewsGuard hates anyway. We can talk about that. But they said the 80-year-old White House occupant. What do you think of that? I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe for, like, an actual news station, because you hear a lot of, um, like, conservative speakers saying it, but. Yeah, I don't really know about news stations, though. Well, they do. They'll say it all over the place. Now, I had uh, – who was I talking to? Actually, um, one of the former newscasters, Neil McCabe, was a friend of mine. We got to know each other, um, just I don't, like a friend introduced us. And I was trying to get them to become what I call conservative news anchors. Now, a conservative news anchor is someone that – or conservative – no, advocate. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Conservative news advocate. So a conservative news advocate was somebody that would – uh, have have the stories, but then they go that one step further. They actually advocate solutions, and of course, many cases that would be our legislation, because we have solutions to so much out there. Uh, so the Pianki says you can't hear me on the phone. Um, I guess well, he's calling to the line now. I'll get to you in a little bit. Um, but uh, Brianna hears me okay. I guess we're Marco. Do you hear me okay, in Netherlands? Um, give me another thumbs up just to make sure we're we're doing well. Oh, so now he hears me okay. Yeah, Blogstock had a major problem yesterday. And they said, any other problems, let me know. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. The first thing I had was the, uh, the, 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 the English voice that says, and now you have three minutes until showtime. Was, uh, it would now say, and now you have, and that would be it. <laughs> I didn't get the three minutes. Um, and so they're, they're still having uh, issues. But uh, as I told BlockTrack yesterday, I wish they'd do the maintenance between midnight and 5 in the morning when there are very few shows, especially like Sunday night or Monday. Um, and also, let us know ahead of time. Thanks, Marco. Marco checks in the Netherlands all as well. I said, let us know ahead of time. You know, if you're going to schedule maintenance, let us know. And if, it, if it's not scheduled, like I think what happened yesterday, that's different. I understand that. But if they're doing maintenance, you know, please let us know a week ahead so we can, you know, postpone guests, uh, do other things. Uh, okay, so Pianchi says pressing one does nothing. Okay, for those that don't know, if you call into Blog Talk and you press one, you go to the top of the list. So all the Blog Talk folks, both the good callers and the stalkers, they all press one. <laughs> Fortunately, I know Pianchi's a number, so it's not a big deal. All right, let's get back to One American News. So you, Newsmax is decidedly anti-Trump. Chris Ruddy, who runs Newsmax, 
is, is a never Trumper from way back. And I don't understand why, because, you know, Trump's the best thing that ever happened in this country, even far more so than Ronald Reagan. Um, because Ronald Reagan talked a good game, but he never really made the changes that he was talking about. And, and so he did well, but he did not do anywhere near as well as Donald Trump. Let me ask you, Brandon, let's go for that. So Donald Trump versus Ronald Reagan. Uh, impressions, ideas, because obviously Reagan was a little before your time. But uh, what have you heard? What do you think? And, and how, do you, how would you rate those two presidents? Um, I think Trump was able to take more steps, but I have to say I align more with Reagan's ideas. Okay, which ones? Um, he was definitely a lot more outspokenly conservative. Um, he definitely had more outspoken, stronger biblical values. Um, and he is very against um, a lot of different kinds of um, what I call like alternative cultures, I guess, um, bad influences. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also shared the same kind of strength as Trump, too, um, like especially with the end of the Cold War. At least from what I have seen and read and learned. Okay. But like there's Listen Trump to... where there's a lot of uh-huh. talk about him being very supportive of uh, gay rights and um, pushing Trump? a lot of parties for all of that. Yeah. Well, I think I don't think Trump's supportive of the political agenda. I think he's supportive of gays as people. I think a lot of conservatives feel that way. That uh, as long as the agenda doesn't come in your face, you know, with, with a big fist punch, you know, it's like, uh, it's okay. It's, and I was talking to some friends of mine about this not too long ago that, uh, you know, gay folks have been accepted in this country as long as they were, you know, not, uh, not too loud about it. It was okay. You know, it's like people, it's like black and white people could talk in the, in the 40s, 50s and 30s and, uh, you know, did fine as long as it wasn't a big deal. In other words, they didn't make a political agenda out of it and say, hey, I'm talking to a black person. You know, they, they, they kept it, uh, they just did it as people. And so anyway, so Pianchi says, good morning. Um, speaking of black people. <laughs> Sorry, Pianchi, I can't resist. Yeah, that's uh, what my parents would tell me. It's like whenever they were growing up, there really wasn't, nobody really cared. Everybody was just the same anyway. So like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It really didn't yeah, matter. Yeah, as I used to say about uh, uh, hair metal bands in the 80s, if you listen to like, you know, early Van Halen or Guns N' Roses or things like that, or, you know, and all these different, like Poison, you know, these crazy bands, right? Uh, that all, this is when guys would dress in makeup uh, and put eyeliner and, and wear spandex, and we didn't care. We thought it was funny, right? Now when guys put on eyeliner and makeup and spandex, they're a civil rights group. <laughs> That's the difference. That's a big difference, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, my dad was telling me about this one movie that uh-huh. would play a lot of time. It's like um, uh, Rocky. Um, oh, Rocky Horror Picture uh, Show. Rocky Pictures. Yes. Have you seen Rocky it? Rocky Horror Picture Show, yes. Have you seen it? Uh, no, but my dad showed me a clip of it on YouTube, and it was of the this, like, transvestite thing singing a song about it, and he said, um, everybody go and everybody just kind of made fun of it and joked about it. But yeah, he yeah, said it it's came really out like different now. Yeah, we didn't care. Yeah, no, let me tell you a funny story about that. So the song you talk now, Tim Curry, who was also in a bunch of Disney films, he was in the like the the Disney Three Musketeers film with Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland and uh, Rebecca De Mornay. I remember her; she's stunningly beautiful. Anyway, um, and uh, Tim Curry played uh, Cardinal Richelieu, and I forgot who played the king. King, they had it was a young king at the time, but Tim Curry when he was in. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is a great topic for us, actually. Um, he played, uh, uh, I think it was Frankenfurter. Uh, he was the he was the sweet transvestite, right? So from Transylvania, <laughs> I'm a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Everybody just died who's listening to this. <laughs> but that's is that the song you heard? Is that the song? Yes, that's the song. Yeah, okay, so he comes down the elevator. Now, I, pl- I was going to put, I put that on Facebook because I thought it was funny. I thought, well, let's, let's make fun of all the stuff that's going on out there, right? So I put, I put the, 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 the video from Sweet, that Sweet Transvestite song that everybody's been watching since 1978. No one's had a problem with it. It's a big joke, right? Guy in pantyhose, you know, fishnet stockings, the whole bit. We don't care. He's wearing some bra, bodice, something, lace up. I don't know. What, you have to ask a woman what it's called. I have no idea. But anyway, he's wearing like a, like a, like a, like a girl thing. You know, he's got the hair and the makeup and the whole bit. It was hysterical. We loved it. You know, it was like Halloween meets, uh, you know, uh, the gay rights parade. <laughs> it was really funny. But I put that on Facebook and I got banned for that. I got banned for that. 
because they said it was it was overt sexual contact. I said, it wasn't this. This isn't sexual contact. This is a comedy. They used to, I don't even think it had an, it might have had an R rating. I'm not sure. But what's R rating these days? 17? 16? What, what's R? 13? I don't know. What's an R rating? It's been a long time I since I was know. that young. Mm, okay. Anyway, point being, I don't, there's, there's hardly a person on the planet that hasn't seen, you know, Tim Curry in, in, in Pantyhose. There isn't. You know, it's like Blazing Saddles with the N-word. The N-word's like every other line. Without the N-word, Blazing Saddles is, is like Milkhouse. It's boring. It means nothing. It's the fact that they use the N-word so much and they were joking about it. That's what makes it funny. In fact, times have changed so much, I can't even say what the N-word is because I'm a white guy. I'll be taken off the air. Bianchi can say it, say it and has few times on the show. That's okay. He's a black guy. He can say it. That's where we are in the country today. Anyway, so Rocky, you, you've got to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's, it is like every cliched, just comedy, horror, funny. It's, you know, I mean, a bunch of people singing about transsexual, the planet of transvestites. I'm sorry. That's funny. <laughs> Had your friends seen it? What do you, what do you heard? I'm curious now. Go ahead. Um, I don't think so. Hmm. I think you can watch it on. Watch it with your dad, because first of all, that way you'll have permission. <laughs> Secondly, um, it'd be really funny. It, you might embarrass him a little bit because he'll have to tell you when he watched it. Uh, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. But it, it's it's played in San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, right? Ultra gay sensitive, right? San Francisco. It's played for years. In fact, there was one theater. Um, I used to go by it on my tour. It played Rocky Horror every Friday night for years. And then eventually it, it's kind of wore out my last couple of years there. And they started playing at Halloween, New Year's, special occasions, things like that. Rocky Horror still plays in the theaters. That was, what, 40, 50 years ago? And it's still playing in, the, in some theaters? So, and in San Francisco, you can play Rocky Horror. They, there's no gay protest outside. There's no transvestites going wild saying you can't play this. They don't care. Excuse me, they don't care. But, but uh, Facebook cares. Because now you're making fun of, of, of their, their trans agenda or their gay agenda, or the LGBTQ. And so that's when it gets crazy. But here's the craziest part of all. The, the trans folks and the gay folks are actually two separate groups. They're lumped together, LGBTQ, PMS, as uh, Josie would say. But, the, but trans and gay and lesbian are very different. Have you heard that at all? Curious. Um, I don't know. Wait, that trans or what? <laughs> You must have been momentarily distracted. No. Well, in other words, if you're the, the current theory is if you're if you're gay, if you're, if you're a gay guy or a lesbian woman, you're you're probably born that way. That's current theory. And we'll get into Christianity in a little bit because this is where the topic changes. Uh, but if you're trans, you're basically born male and female, and you stay that as far as we're concerned. But these folks, you know, think that. Uh, and like I said, we have a trans reporter on the show. You know, who uh, Bianchi says you can say the N word, you just won't. <laughs> That's what we should use the word in their manifesto. Oh, we should talk about that. Yeah, I'm going to put that down, the manifesto. That's, that's, that's a great – I knew there was something in the news that I'd forgotten. All right. Anyway, so let's get back to this. So, so the, the thing is with, with trans folks, they are created out of surgery and drugs, right? Puberty blockers, hormone replacements, and, uh, and surgery. So God made them men and women, and, and their DNA keeps them men and women, although they do change you know, appearance and have elective surgery and drugs. But that's very different than somebody um, who is, you know, gay or lesbian. It doesn't change their body at all. That's just who they are. You know, hairstyle, maybe something like that. But, the, but the, there's a real separation because the, the gay folks, the folks that are non-political gay or non-political lesbian, they don't want to be associated with, with, uh, with drag queens in the elementary, elementary schools and groomers. They don't want anything to do with those people. You know, any more than white people want to have anything to do with Jeffrey Dahmer because he was a serial killer or Ted Bundy. I mean, you can't lump white people in with seri white serial killers. We don't have anything to do with them. In fact, they were white. You know, as Obama would say, people who look like your, people who look like you. That doesn't matter. So there's a real separation. I should talk to Bianca about that uh, because she separate from, uh, as a trans person, Bianca separates completely from radical trans agenda. You know, groomer. Um, you know, drag queen in, in the elementary, elementary school. That crowd. You know, Bianca's completely separate from them and absolutely condemns them. As a trans person, have you ever heard Bianca's report? Um, I've heard one of them, maybe two, but I know I've heard okay. at least one. So, what do you think? Yeah. Um, well, I don't agree with all of uh, the things that she did. I think she had like 
some like socialist plans. Oh, I don't agree either. But <laughs> I, I don't have Ron yeah, to agree with her. I have Ron because we specifically with, disagree. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that statement, and I have heard it before. Is that what you're asking? Um, is how they kind of separate from that? Well, is that what you were saying earlier? Do you see a difference? In other words, yeah. it's the same difference as you know someone who's who the media labels as extreme right wing, who's really an anarchist. See, conservatives want nothing to do with anarchists, even though they call us both right wing. So it's like this it's a, this association thing where you take the craziest person and associate with the entire group. So there are people that are, you know, uh, and it was interesting. A, a guy was saying yesterday on one American News that it's not that you know a man who's trying to become a woman is a trans woman. It's actually a trans man because they're still a man, but they're transing. You know, into you know, into like uh, whatever they become with the lack of surgery and drugs. It's really kind of interesting. But there's a complete political separation. That's what I'm getting at. So you can feel better after doing the counseling and two years of you know psychological evaluation. Eventually, go through the all the surgery and drugs and and be who you are afterwards, like Bianca did, uh, which is entirely different than going after kids and especially in like custody battles and forcing them into all kinds of stuff that they have to do. Yeah, and I've heard a couple of people coming out, whether it's, like, drag queens who are against, like, transgenderism or, you know, people who are gay or people who are transgender who are against this movement, and they're saying we're separate. And what you see is they are coming out and talking about this because they're getting a lot of hate from these gay community things that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying that it's like you're either completely with every single radical thing that they push or mm-hmm. now you're the enemy as well. And they call you all the same names that they call just like a white Christian man. Like, that's like the most evil thing to them. And if you're not completely with them, they'll call everybody anything. Yeah. Did you see a report on the uh, the manifesto from the, the trans murderer? Uh, from Tennessee? Yeah, I saw one of the pages. Um, I think they said, like, Charlie Kirk released it or something because the um, Department of Justice was keeping it hidden. But why? Why were they keeping it hidden? Well, because it goes against the narrative. I mean, here's a person who's white who condemns white people, who uh, is, um, I think, a man trying to be a woman, um, and they murder kids. And what they came out and said was, I want to kill all the white kids, kill all the crackers, kill all this. You know, and it was it was an open. It's like everything that everybody believed worst of someone from this community might, might become. Um, now, what they haven't talked about is the drugs. And I am convinced, and I've heard this several times, that it used to be it was bad enough when you had Ritalin or Adderall, which is almost like cocaine, or it's almost like meth. Adderall is closely related to, to crystal meth, for example. Uh, and then you put people on uh, antidepressants. You know, which are psych- completely psychological serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I, I just like saying that. Uh, and then you go from there, so from the ADHD drugs, the antidepressant drugs, and then you put them on puberty blockers and everything else. You've got three sets of completely psychologically altering drugs. Then you wonder why people come out crazy. Because in each one along the way, if you look at the, uh, the physician's desk reference and you look at the side effects, most of them have homicidal and suicidal tendencies. So why would you give that to people? Why, why aren't they banned? If you give somebody a drug that can make them a murderer, why would you even give it to them, regardless of whatever you know perceived benefits you get? And yet they do. Yeah, and I don't know uh, what the drug is. Um, well, I guess I say I don't remember the name of it, but I've heard it before. And it's supposedly something that they give to people inside of terrorist groups to make them just like rapid and, and go out and kill and stuff and um, mm. conform better to the group. Interesting. In the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the drug would be, but I know um, it's like you know, t- there was like something that started with P, and it was like the drug of choice I was taking. It's not Paxoid, Paxloid, yeah. Pax something rather, but I don't know. Lovix is one of the psychotropic oh. drugs. Uh, some of the other ones. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, but also something interesting is fluoride, uh-huh. and I have hmm. learned that um, fluoride is actually was actually used by Hitler and. Um, one of the other tyrants. I don't know if it was stolen or not. I think it might have been somebody else. But oh, this is new. They're actually used to help um, keep people, because it changes, like, your mental state. And so it is to help huh. kind of keep people submissive and um, kind of alter some of their nutrition. So, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to learn that, because um, fluoride is harmful to you if you're – because. I mean, there's the thing where, oh, if it's only a tiny amount, you're fine. Um, but if you take a small amount constantly every single day, it's no longer a small amount. 
And yeah, like when I was in Toronto, different products that you eat or drink every day. Yeah, when I yeah, uh, just let me tell the folks uh, that are listening now. You might have to catch the podcast because apparently it's very sporadic. Uh, what's happening right now? It's a little bit crazy. <laughs> Marco's being driven nuts. Well, they've obviously still got problems with Blog Talk, but uh, and I I had to you know log into the show a couple of times before it worked. So uh, I don't know they're still probably trying to fix things. Um, in Toronto, when I was a kid, uh, all of our teeth turned brown because they put too much fluoride in the water. Um, so I was hoping I didn't, you know, grow up with fluoride poisoning, but then uh, my adult teeth came in. Of course, that all went away. And in Australia, I don't remember. I don't think they fluoridated the water in Australia. Where I live here in Milton, Florida, they do not put fluoride in the water. Um, but I still use a fluoride toothpaste because that's pharmaceutical grade. And last time I didn't use a fluoride toothpaste, I got a ton of cavities. So I'm not sure. So do you distinguish between uh, pharmaceutical fluoride in toothpaste as opposed to what is really industrial waste product fluoride that they put in the water? Do you see? Have you heard the difference well, between those two? Well, the problem with me is I don't really. I have a really hard time trusting the pharmaceutical industry. So, okay. You know, um, now because I don't really look into like much of the chemistry and stuff within it, mm-hmm. um, I would say just from what I know that they're both something that you don't want to ingest all the time, right? But right. then again, I don't know that much about toothpaste. But, but you I do toothpaste. know there are a lot of different right. natural ways to make a uh-huh. toothpaste without the toxic fluoride that works yep. just as well that many people are doing and, and even changing to. Many people are sharing the information too. So um, I don't think it's really a necessity if we're able to do that and make or get a different kind of toothpaste without that, where it's mm-hmm. not manufactured by the government basically. Which is yes. also interesting. I was talking about this with my parents yesterday. And I was What's saying, that? okay, so a library is mm-hmm. funded by the government, and it's a government business, right? Because mm-hmm. it uses taxpayer money for funding. So well, it's not really a government business. Well, um, it's kind of like self-supporting, allegedly, with library cards, library fees, and things like that. It's supposed to be somewhat self-supporting, but I think they still get more money from the government uh, as a public service. Yeah, and... Yeah, but it's like a um, because the upkeep and stuff is everything is through the government because it's mm-hmm. by the taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I'm, I'm thinking of it. But then you have a hospital, okay. and hospitals are like supposedly they're like own separate business, right? The, the people that um, have them separate, but hospitals also get government funding by taxpayer money. I just thought yeah. that was really interesting because we don't classify hospitals in the same way that we would classify libraries. But honestly, probably every single major industry in the United States is controlled by the government in some way or the other. Oh, yeah. In fact, that's, that's the difference. You know, when people talk about a free market, we haven't had a free market, you know, since our founding, <laughs> really. You know, and the biggest problem has been government giving special privileges to larger business at expense of smaller business. Uh, what, they, what they call in economics barriers to entry. Like if you want to start a car company, when was the last time we had a new car company? I guess Tesla is probably it. And that's because it was started by a multi-billionaire. And it started, I think, in other countries and then came here. And it was incredibly subsidized. So, so would, would Tesla be where it is without any government subsidy at all? Probably not. Except for certain liberal areas like Silicon Valley where they're all rich anyway. But uh, would, would your cars be succeeding without, the, without all the subsidies and tax breaks? I don't think so. So there's an artificial market. Um, but uh, the last new car company I know in the United States was DeLorean. And that was a dismal failure. Uh, before that, in the 40s, another car company tried. See, the big three, you know, uh, GM, which was made up of a uh, company started by Mr. Buick, Mr. Oldsmobile, Mr. Chevrolet, you know, and of course, Ford was started by Mr. Ford. So these guys all name these companies after the last name, but GM incorporated all these different companies into, uh, into this one company called General Motors. So you had General Motors, you had Chrysler, which was started by Mr. Chrysler, and you had Ford, and uh, GM, and those are the three car companies. But uh, have you ever heard of a car called the Tucker? The what called the Tucker? It's a car. It was a car manufacturer. Uh, a guy named Tucker oh, a car? built this car okay. in the 40s no, called I'm the not Tucker. Heard of it. Okay. This would be a great study for you. It's actually a, a wonderful film with Jeff Bridges in it, who plays, I forgot his first name, but Tucker. Tucker came along in the 40s and had a revolutionary car. It had three lights. The front light was in the center, and it actually turned with the steering wheel so you could see around corners. Cars still do not do that today, except for French uh, Citroëns. They have uh, four headlights, and the bottom two uh, on either side uh, turn left or right as the steering wheel turns. But most cars don't do that. 
He was the first to have seatbelts in every car. He was the first to have uh, uh, shattering glass so he didn't die when you went through the windshield. So he had shatter glass. So he put all these safety features in. And guess what the big car companies did? Did they welcome all his new inventions? Did they pay for his patents? Did they say, yes, thank you for coming into the car market with all these wonderful improvements? Is that what they did? What do you think they did? No. <laughs> yeah, I think they had him arrested. I think they, they like they, money. Yep, they said he was a fraud because they didn't want to spend the money to put the safety improvements that Tucker had his cars in the 40s. But by, I think, the 50s and 60s, everything he had except for the steerable uh, uh, headlight was incorporated cars. Seatbelts, shadow glass, uh, all the thing, roll bars, all the things that he installed in his cars for safety were eventually incorporated in to those other cars because I think either the government mandated or the people demanded them. But uh, that's the price like of innovation. when they killed that one guy. Which guy? It, um, it, he, like, made a car that could run on water, and they killed him. And uh, I think it was CIA that was said, I think. Urban legend or true? Urban legend or true? Tell me about this. This sounds like urban legend. It's like the 70-mile-an-hour carburetor. That everybody thought, well, there's a carburetor out there that gets 70 miles to the gallon. No. <laughs> I don't know. The, I saw the a video of the guy explaining it. explaining it or supposedly explaining it, mm. but probably about two years ago when I saw it, my brain works in weird ways. But, yeah, um, that's why you're on the show. <laughs> I don't want to know again, on the show. I never was there face-to-face with my own eyes, so it's, mm-hmm. you only believe to the extent that you can, right? <laughs> well, no, I believe what – no, I have the logic and reason filter. I don't have to see things. I have faith. You know, I mean, God's never appeared to me in, 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 in physical form and said, hey, Greg, it's me. But I still believe in God. So there's faith, but there's also logic and reason. So, you know, where logic and reason leave off, if it still makes sense to me, that's where faith takes over. Make sense? Yeah, that's kind of yeah. how I look at things. Okay, makes sense. I'm going to bring Priyanka in just for a second. I want to talk to you some more because we haven't had a chance to chat for a while. But I want to bring Priyanka on just to sort of tell me what's going on with the, with the radio um, Pianki, can you hear us online, on the phone? What's going on? What's the story this morning? What's today's problem? Yeah, everything seems to be working right now. Hi, good morning, okay. uh, Brianna. Good reports thus far. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's working. Okay. All right, let me just uh, hold you up for a little bit, too. I wanna, I'll want to. i bring you in a little bit later. I want to – a couple more things. Let's, well, actually, why don't you hang around for this chat? This might be interesting. Let's talk about this manifesto. Brianna, do you know where the, the trans murder manifesto came from? Who released it? Because they have the actual notebook. They've got the pictures of the actual handwritten notes, and there's several pages of it. Do you know anywhere? Do you know how that was released at all? Um, I think I heard that it was by Charlie Kirk, but I'm not completely positive. How did he get it? No idea. See, that's my curiosity. But I want to send this one video of Matt Gates, um, and... Uh, gosh, who is he talking to? Is it Marcus? I think maybe. But anyways, um, he was talking with him, and he was saying, uh, asking him questions about where the uh, Hunter Biden laptop is, and if he knew mm-hmm. where it was or what was going on with it. He's like, no, I have no idea. And then um, Matt Gaines says, okay, well, I'm going to reveal all the contents of the laptop because I have it. <laughs> so funny. He put it in the congressional record. Anybody can get the contents of the laptop. It's in the congressional record. It's not classified. Yeah. I so just thought it was up, uh, funny because it was like <laughs> he's face to face with this guy, and he's like, you don't know what it is. Oh, I have it. <laughs> yeah, that must have been very interesting, and I loved it. No, I remember the vote. It was in a committee hearing. He says, I want to put uh, the Hunter laptop, everything on Hunter's laptop in the congressional record so it's permanent. Absolutely. That was hysterical. Um, let me ask Pianchi a question, then I want to talk about some other stuff. Pianchi, do you know where... The, lap, the, the information that the manifesto came from? Do you know who released it? No, I never could determine that from the story that I read. Here's what I think happened. I bet you it's a, I think it's a local Nashville cop. If I had to put money on it, it's somebody inside the police department. Wanted it released. They snuck it. They took pictures of it. They released it. They got it to Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk broadcast it to the world. And now we all have it. That's you. Remember what I talked about? Remember what I said the, way back when, when that manifesto, the, the the feds wouldn't release it. We knew everything was in it. We knew it was about killing white people. We knew it was about killing Christians. We knew exactly what was in it. We just wanted to see it just to confirm. But we all knew what it, what it was going to say. What else could it say? But, you know, uh, uh-huh. here's, the, here's the bad thing about that. You had Democrats and anti-gun activists 
use the children of Nashville public schools to participate in anti-gun marches and all sorts of anti-Second Amendment and anti-gun demonstrations. Now they won't tell them what the shooter actually was mad at. Had nothing to do with guns. No. He had a different alternative motive. Mm-hmm. Notice that uh, I the have murder... a correction to make real fast. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Bianca. It looks like it was Stephen Crowder, not Charlie Crowder. Oh, Louder with Crowder? It seems I heard that name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, now that makes sense. Okay, now how did he get it? He knows. He has connections. He knows. So he probably knows a Nashville cop, or he knows a, an FBI person, or an F, or someone reached out to him. Yeah, that would make sense because he's been around. He's been on. Uh, okay, so now it makes sense. So yeah, because it had to have been given by somebody because because the feds locked it up because they didn't want people to know exactly what we already. Excuse me, what we already know that the trans murderer hated Christians, hated white people, and was willing yeah. to kill kids. But but what we don't know is how many drugs. It says he has a video. So we'll have to check that out and see if he says where it comes from. But other okay. than that, I wouldn't know where to tell you. Hmm. Well, then we got Pianchi here. Let's talk about your Second Amendment classes because we were uh, – uh, Brianna sometimes sends me, you know, absolute rubbish <laughs> that she's being taught in school. How do you go to school knowing that what, what you're reading is wrong? Do you correct the teachers? Do you, do, you, do you point it where the book is wrong? How do you deal with that in school? I've tried to do that a couple of times. Uh, nothing happens. Uh, <laughs> So, oh, wait, so, so run, me, run me through a scenario. Wait. And I would do that. Go ahead. Run me through a scenario. When I was in person, I did that with a teacher. She just, right. like, stopped having a conversation and just moved on to something else. And that was about, like, what? The, um, something about the environment or green energy. Wait, wait, wait. wait. They changed like the subject? They couldn't deal with your question? Yeah. So, run me through it. What was yeah. the issue? Do you remember? Was it climate um, change or what? I think Hold it was... Gas versus electric energy, or something like that. And okay. uh, she was saying something, and I raised her hand, and I responded, and then I asked her a question, and she responded with something. I think that was like, that it doesn't really matter, or that um, it wasn't like that, or something like that. I don't really remember a couple of years okay. ago. Um, mm-hmm. And then I asked another question, and then she stopped talking and moved on to a different subject. So, in other words, she couldn't answer your question. Now, an honest person would say, yeah. you know what, that's it. Like, what we do on the show, well, what do we do when we don't have no an answer? We look it up. Or we try and guess. Or we tell people, look, we're going to yeah. speculate. We don't know. What's wrong with saying you don't know? Why, how, what's wrong with the teacher saying they don't know? I mean, they're not geniuses. I mean, I don't, I, and nobody knows everything. Why would, why would that be a problem for them? Brianna, what do you think? It's because they are trying to make an entire class think of things in a way that's like, this is how it is. This is what you're supposed to know. And it's like, we're not supposed to be asking those questions. We're not supposed to be questioning what they're telling us. We're supposed to just listen and obey and then fight for it. Like, um, huh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. (laughs) One time I went back and, and listened to the recording I realized how much that I sounded like I was interrupting. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that that was happening no, we, so badly. Because you know what? We're all excited to talk, and, that's, and I just accept that as part of the show. Because we have intelligent people with things to say, and we all want to say it now. So, you know, we just run with it. We try not to step on yeah, each other. Did I? But I, I want to get back to this uh, scenario because I want to talk about the gun one, too, and, and the history and some of the founding fathers. Because everything that you send me is completely wrong, and yet it's being talked to kids. It's total nonsense. Yeah, did I ever send you um, something? I kind of put it into the PDF format in a very choppy way, but it was difficult. And it was what the school sent me through an email about this communist organization that they wanted students to be involved in. No, I don't. I don't think you sent me something with an organization, but I remember you sent me a lot of stuff. Well, you can tell me about that, and let's talk about the. It was uh, First Amendment and Second Amendment, and where rights come from. That was hysterical. So which one do you want to deal with? What did it say? Well, we're getting to that. <laughs> Brianna, okay. Brian, which one? Um, let's, let's take them all. Just, so just pick one because these, these are all fascinating and how wrong they are. Pulling it up. Okay. Oh, there's so much. And most of the stuff I kind of just skim by. And it's kind of a difficult thing in a secular education, too, because whenever you read through things, you know that it's not true. But mm-hmm. you have to 
put it as the right answer, even if it's not. You know, you have to write Ooh. it and you have to click the one that they want. Because if you don't choose the answer that they want you to agree with, then you can fail the class. It doesn't matter if you believe differently or if they're wrong or whatever. You just have to yeah. follow along with what that they want. Uh, that's- that sounds familiar. Now, do other students know the truth, or are they all brainwashed little minions, little zombies? I mean, you're not the only one that thinks this way. At least I hope not. There are some, and you hear about it a lot. I think in an individual school, there are a few. Across the nation, there are many. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is this herd mentality. It, it was kind of oh. like with the mask thing. <clears throat> and the problem is for me at least, is that I'm doing this in order to, you know, and hopes to achieve something further down, but it's also kind of an inner conflict where it's like, you know, I'm kind of submitting to the fear mongering that they're pushing on us. You know, I'm I'm going with it, you know. And that's what I kinda of hate about it, is that I'm following along. Well, you can't not, be true to, you, like, when you can't be true to yourself. No, this makes perfect sense. Um I when I was raising my daughter I used to call it playing the game. And I told her, she says, because she believes as you believe, and you're very similar people in a way. Um, but she would, I would talk to her about this. This is, this is, well, she went to a private Christian school, so it makes a difference. But she'd hear things on the news and other stuff like that. I said, this is wrong. What's going on with these people or, or for jobs or anything that she had to do? I said, look, play the game. I said, there's a game that, and that took me a long time to learn this, but I can play the game. I can, you know, subvert my own opinions. This is why I left having a talk show because I can get them all out here. But for years on jobs, you know, various organizations in school, especially at a socialist university, you know, you play the game. I had to play the game in, in debate, you know, because I would debate and I looked at, and the professor is always, you know, downgrading me. I said, you're downgrading me just because I'm conservative, aren't you? And he looks at me and says, yep, absolutely. I said, okay. So I started arguing like a liberal. He didn't know what to do. Play the game. So how, how can you play the game? How, do you, how, how would you play the game? You don't lose your conscience. You don't lose your soul. You don't lose your, your sensibilities. You don't lose who you are. But you play the game knowing that you're, that you're purposely putting down stuff you know is false for the objective of, of getting a good grade. So you can go on to do better things like go to Hillsdale College or something like that. So can you, can you – that's a rationalization. Can you make that rationalization that you're doing it for a higher purpose, even though you know you're putting it down wrong? But if you don't put it down wrong, you know, it's going to be marked wrong. And you're going to end up losing overall. No one's going to care what you personally believe. How do you resolve that? Yeah. And I think that is the kind of the resolve is knowing that there's not enough people in there to make an impact. Because let's say, like, one of the biggest things is numbers on a movement, right? So let's say okay. there's, like, three or four questions on a test. test mm-hmm. And you can get 90% of the students to choose one answer. And everybody understands how the bad is the right answer and something that they're trying to push is wrong. This is just mm-hmm. using an example of it. Mm-hmm. And that way, it could be effective to make some changes in the curriculum. You know, you could have a large group of students. You could have a large group of parents come and address a, a school board, for example, um, mm-hmm. and tell them that the problems that are with this, right, that this needs mm-hmm. to be changed, how it's taught, how they're graded. The problem is this herd mentality. The problem is the control that there already is. I mean, especially, um, like, let's use current events, for example, because I think this is okay. the most obvious thing because it is so horrific, is the anti-Semitism from the Israeli war in America. How many people are out there supporting Palestine that Palestine literally advocates for killing them? And so, Let's talk about that, and I don't want to get into a huge argument with Pianchi on this because we have talked about this. Pianchi has a very different opinion, but I posted something on Facebook you know, just the other day that, that nobody in the international community, as it were, is asking for Hamas to pay reparations. No one's asking when it's a ceasefire. They, they want Israel to have a ceasefire, but Israel is the one who was attacked. And so let me ask you this. What, do, do you see this incredible hypocrisy that if this were it's, – it's like asking a rape victim not to press charges not to go to court, just to, just to take it, just to be understanding, you know, just, just, just to keep the peace. Don't, don't go, you know, don't go after rapists because we want to keep the peace. This is what it looks like to me. And so the, the, the whole international world, you know, and look at this country too. Uh, this is what I want to get Dershowitz on the show. In fact, I'm, I'm working on that right now. I'd love to get him on. It, and of course, we're going to talk about Israel. Then hopefully I can get into a debate on the constitution with him. But how do you, Brianna, how do you see this? What's, uh, what do you think? So for me, the, I think the worst part is 
that everybody's trying to educate these people who are for Palestine, who are supporting it, who are going to rallies for it. You hear and you see all the time these people trying to get this information to them, people talking to them, people sharing this information, sharing the truth of what it is. There's probably hundreds of videos out there of people pushing. But on the other end, there's the other side that's also pushing. And it's like, oh, look how many people are dying in Gaza, not aware about Israel. And then you mm-hmm. see people tearing down the posters of kidnapped children being held hostage or people mm-hmm. that are killed, and people will just tear them down. And I think that's a perfect example of kind of the school system in the way that people have been ideologically subverted with so much propaganda that they're yep. doing despicable things. And in the school system, they're following along with no conscious thought that something is different, especially when it comes to history and such. Now, my problem with math is not the same problem. My problem with math is I still do not understand how you can get a negative from multiplying a negative by a negative. Because the whole point of multiplication, right, is it's a simpler way of adding a lot of numbers, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. So if you have a negative number... And then you have another negative number, right? That mm-hmm. was, but think of it in the way of debt. If you add more negatives to a negative, you're going to get less. So how does multiplying it, which is basically just adding it by a lot more, going to get you a positive number of the same result you'd get if it was negative? How does that are you adding, are you adding negative numbers or positive numbers? If you add positive numbers to negative numbers, eventually you'll cross zero and you will get into positive. But if you're, if you're doing negative numbers, if you're multiplying negative numbers, you should continue to get negative Negative numbers. I don't know. I'm I'm bad at I'm so bad at math. So let's go negative two uh, times uh, five negative five. I get ten. So two negatives do make a positive. You cannot multiply two negatives and not get a positive. Yeah, but why? I know that, and I do that in my work. But how? Like if you have a negative, like five dollars in debt. And then you put another $5 on credit. That means you're adding $5 into your debt. Now you're negative 10. Well, then let's say if you times that by 2, that's 20, right? So that would be giving 10 more dollars into that debt by multiplying it by 2. Then you'd be negative 20 in debt. How on earth do you get a positive 20 from having 10 more dollars in debt? That just doesn't make sense to me. Okay, negatives and positives. It's, I'll get Pianca in this because he probably knows a lot more about math than I do. And Marco, feel free to weigh in. I just did two, two multiplication problems. I multiplied two negatives and I got a positive. I multiplied a positive by a negative and I got a negative. So I think it's the second number that's, that's the key. So if you multiply something by a positive by a negative, you're always going to get a negative. All right, negative. Well, let me try. Let me try it the other way. Let me do. Uh, I did five. So let's do five times. Let's do division in a minute. Let's go five times. Six, uh, make it, uh, oh, yeah, let's start again. So five times six, make six negative six. I get negative 30. Uh, so it doesn't matter which way you do it. Let's go negative five times six, and I still get negative 30. So the negative number drives the direction. So in other words, if you multiply a positive by a negative, you're going to go into the negative area. If you multiply two negatives, it's going to send you in the positive direction. That's just how it works. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like U.S. debt and Democrat spending accounting. Yeah, uh, that's just how, that's you have to get, just get a math book. But uh, it, this is, it just has to do with the way the numbers work. If you're multiplying by a negative, it sends the number in the negative direction. In other words, you're increasing to a greater negative number. If you multiply two positives, you go in the positive direction. If you multiply two negatives, you also go in the positive direction because the negative one way is canceled by the negative. A negative is like reversing. So think of negative as reversing. So if you're already negative and you send another negative, you're reversing the reversing, and that's a positive, right? But if you do a positive times a negative, the negative reverses the direction, and then it goes into the negative. Does that make sense? So technically, real life, that second negative doesn't actually mean losing anything. No, if you have two magnets and you put the negative ends together, they repel each other. I don't, you know, consult a physics book and a math book. <laughs> I got a couple of. I want to get back to uh, to something that uh, you were talking about earlier. Um, so Israel, let's, 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 so just in the United States, where did this all this anti-Semitism come from? Where you know, because it wasn't like this twenty years ago. In fact, it was just, it was interesting that some of the biggest objectors to Israel were Jews in this country, which is kind of fascinating. 
liberal Jews do not like Israel because Israel is very conservative because they have to be to survive. But now there's a huge population yeah. of people. Did you see the Washington demonstration? Do you know anything about what just happened in D.C. over the weekend? No. Massive, massive demonstration. All right, here we go. Let me see if I get you. I got a, I got a new thing. I got a new person, Joe Hoft. Uh, Joe's the brother of Jim Hoft, who runs Gateway Pundit. Joe Hoft's his brother. He has a podcast, and he said, Islam takes over Washington, D.C. with thousands at anti-Israeli rally. This is our own country, right? And the basic conclusion is that these are people that Obama's brought into the country. He says, a massive crowd showed up today in Washington, D.C. at a pro-Palestine, anti-Israel rally. This never would have occurred if it weren't for the actions of Barack Hussein Obama. Obama began bringing people from terrorist nations to the U.S. after President Trump stopped it. The Biden regime, which we call the insurrection, put the same policy in place and put it on steroids. So Trump stopped it. Remember when he used to, they called it the Muslim ban? It wasn't a Muslim ban. It was a travel from terrorist countries where those people were like seriously vetted. Right? Then he says the southern border is wide open and we have no idea who has entered this country. Today we got a glimpse of some of the new arrivals. So Joe Haas' contention is that the people that are protesting in Washington, D.C., who have no allegiance to this country whatsoever, who don't care, are, doing, are basically almost an insurrection, especially the ones that entered the Capitol, right? Uh, these are Obama's people. These are Obama's Muslims. That, and I, I absolutely agree. I think that Obama is trying to, to Muslimize, you know, a Christian, predominantly Christian country. So we are a Judeo-Christian country that Obama wants to fundamentally change, not by the politics necessarily, but by the religion. I don't think people have really talked about this. So do you see, as I see, and you can disagree, that Obama is doing everything he can to bring as many Muslims into the country as possible to water down Christianity, to change it towards a Muslim orientation, because he is, in fact, Muslim himself. What do you think? Yeah. Like the opinion. only thing I have to say about what you're saying is Islam itself has their own kind of politics. And the funny thing is religion and politics often go hand in hand. It's not as separate as people think, or at least it shouldn't be. And a lot of uh, Muslims, especially Muslim countries, you see that very, very obviously. And so I think it's a religious and political change, but I think he is using this kind of as a motivation. And honestly, it's part of these things of the ideological subversion that I think I've talked about before, where it's changing the culture. It's like our enemies know they can't destroy us from the outside, so they destroy us from the inside. I mean, mm-hmm. just think, sending billions and billions and billions, billions, billions and millions and billions of dollars over to Ukraine and putting us in debt. And everybody is struggling with such high inflation and everything. And we're sending all this weaponry and everything. And whenever you can put in this corruption or these things inside of America to break it down. It not only makes it easier for other forces to attack on the outside, but also breaks down the inside and makes it crumble. Yeah. Do you think so the it's like a multifrontal you... attack? Oh, absolutely. Well, it has to be. Did you, did you hear our, our show on the, on the four Chinese, the four wars, China uh, strategy? This is about three weeks no. ago. Okay. So go back about three weeks ago. Uh, Joshua, I've forgotten his name from Epic times. And he talked about something he either overheard or learned from China, that their, their idea, their strategy is to get four wars going, get the United States involved in four different wars, because that would weaken us enough for them to take Taiwan without opposition. So the first one, of course, is, is Ukraine. They were really happy when we were in Afghanistan. They need two more, and they need one of them to be with a terrorist group. So the plan is to have us with, at war with a terrorist group, which is you know, the United States through Israel against Hamas, uh, and three other wars. So Ukraine, so they need two more wars. If they get two more wars, they're going to attack Taiwan. That's, that's what he thinks the strategy is. What do you think? Well, I guess they're, been, well, I guess they're being pretty effective so far if they're halfway there. Mm-hmm. But I know that China and, and the worst part is China announced that they want to um, go to war by 2026. So two more wars in two years, well, mm-hmm. how doable is that if they were able to get one in less than a week? But, you know. Well, guess who wants to go to war with Iran? Lindsey Graham and the other war hawks. That could be the third one. Yeah. And we've got two carrier groups there. Why not, right? They're already there. Yeah, go ahead. A lot of of people are pointing out, it's like, all these other Muslim countries don't want all of these Hamas people in their country. Well, they don't want Hamas because they're terrorists. Nobody wants terrorists in their country, even if they're your terrorists. You You know what I'm saying? 
you know, I wouldn't want a radical okay. militia group, even though I favor militias, you know, organized, well-regulated civilian, non-governmental army units, militias, I favor them. But I don't want some militia unit going robbing banks and uh, causing terrorist troubles. And we're going to overthrow the government, man. We're going to we're going to start with, you know, uh, Federal Reserve Banks in every city. No, I don't want that, even though I favor militias. So you have to align. You have to be able to distinguish, you know, between. Um, but here's something interesting. I, I was looking at um, one of my, my uh, pictures here. You, you've got to get this article. Uh, it's, uh, it's on my special. Go through the special investigations in the International News Group. There's a ton of things posted there, but you've got to find this one, um, which talks about this, this article that, uh, that I was just reading from Joe Hoff's site, because there's a Laura Loomer video. And one of the pictures is a guy, a Muslim guy. Obviously, he's got that Muslim hat, you know, kind of the, the, the head covering thing. It's like a yarmulke on steroids. Uh, he's got the beard. He's got a shirt in Arabic, and he's got a Nazi flag. Oh, wait a minute. The Nazis didn't want any God. The Nazis hated Christians. <laughs> you know, they say it's Christian national Nazi. No, the Nazis hated Christians because there shall be no God before a, before a dictator, right? Because the dictator's God. So how do you figure the connection between the Nazis, ultra-socialist, nationalist, uh, leftists, and the Muslims? How are they getting together? Common enemies, I think is... Okay. Whenever... Surprising people form alliances. It's usually common enemies. The enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing? Yes. Do you see anything in it's common like China with a... and Russia. China okay, and Russia do not like each other, but no. they're able to work together in some instances. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's an amazing amount of military on both sides of the, the Chinese-Russian border. is like one of the most fortified borders in the world. Well, why would that be? They're both communists. Well, Russia's supposedly not now. But why? But let me ask you another question. Go ahead. What do you got? I'll ask you a question. Oh, no, ask your question. Okay. So the way I see it, Muslim is a, a theocracy dictatorship. Communism is a statist or, or, so, or Nazism is a statist dictatorship. What I see in communists are both dictatorships, one with no religion and one with absolute religion. And yet the goal of dictatorship is still the same. So they had that dictatorship, that totalitarianism in common. The question is, do they do it by a theocracy, Sharia law, or do they do it by, you know, a government-imposed, you know, ty- tyranny through, through Nazism? That's what I see they have in common. And the enemy would be freedom. Well, Israel and the United States and England and any other free country out there, Western Europe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to deal with this in the third hour, but let's, let's, let's have a little fun with it right now. Who's running the country? Who do you think? Oh, my, that's the question of the year, isn't it? Who's isn't running it the country? Who's running the country? Uh, yes. I kind of think of this as, um, okay, I really like the term world stage, because I think it's very, very Ooh, funny. Tell me. I've, I've, I'm not because, familiar with this term. Oh, really? 